bring greetings to each one in the name of the Lord Jesus. I was uh, glad for the songs that were sung this morning, uh, talking especially of the the um, death of Jesus, but also the last song talking of his resurrection. At, uh, in the times that uh, Jesus told the disciples, foretold of his death, uh, and I think without exception, he added, and after three days I will rise again. So he told them he was going to die. He told them he was going to suffer. He told them in uh, several different times, but always ended that with saying that he would rise again. <clears throat> My message this morning is, uh, the, uh, the simple title is One Week. I would like to have us look at the events uh, between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. What we know as, as Palm Sunday and uh, the Resurrection. Uh, this week, the Passion Week it's called by many, is I think the most important week in all of time. Uh, at the uh, very beginning of time, God stood on the threshold of time and he said, let there be light. And there was light. Uh, the tells us in Revelation that there will be uh, an angel standing on the earth and uh, he will raise his hand to heaven and he will say there's going to be no more time. Between these two events, the Passion Week is the most important week of all of that time. Uh, there's one other week in the Bible that's detailed uh, like this. One, the Passion Week is is told in the Gospels. There's one other week that's detailed first day, second day, so on. That's the week of creation. It's, uh, it's in the first chapter of Genesis, one chapter, uh, a little bit uh, part of it in the second chapter as well. But it covers that week. The Passion Week is told in the Gospels and it uh, takes 25 chapters to tell the details of the Passion Week. Uh, the Gospels, Mar uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have uh, 89 chapters altogether. Of these 89 chapters, 25 of them, almost a third, is all from one week from Palm Sunday to the Resurrection. Uh, the message this morning is uh, is going to be uh, somewhat of a bird's eye view. Uh, I thought of a little more uh, modern term, a satellite view of uh, this week, the Passion Week. We'd like to look at the details in 
order as they happened. And uh, not all the uh, uh, chronological details are agreed upon by everybody, but they're fairly close. I mean, we can, as we go through there, we can uh, tell how they happened uh, one after the other. There are some differences, and uh, we'll maybe say a little about that as we get to them. If you have a, um, how many of you have a uh, book called The Harmony of the Gospels, or have seen it, or read? Uh, the Harmony of the Gospels is uh, is a book that. Uh, that takes the uh, the Gospels in chronological order. It, it lays out the verses for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it lays them out in order. I have one, and um, this is a book called Harmony of the Gospels by John H. Kerr. It's an old book. And uh, the events that I'm going to look at this morning is, uh, take, follows pretty much the outline of that book. <coughs> And like I say, there's some difference of opinion, and uh, but I don't think that's the important thing. The important part isn't the difference of opinion. The important part is that this week, 25 chapters of the Gospels, uh, this week is probably the, I shouldn't say probably, I see, I, I believe that this is the most important week of all history. And so I'd like to uh, propose two things. One I've already mentioned that the, this is the most important week of all history. The second uh, I'd like to propose to you that whatever your busiest week is, and I don't know what that is, getting ready for a wedding, getting ready for ministers meeting at Bible school, getting ready for summer Bible school, going through summer Bible school, you can name it. Your busiest week. And when I'm through with this message, that week will look like a piece of cake as we compare it with the Passion Week. And so I'd like to begin, I'm, I'm just going to go down through here and, and mention the, the events, the main events. There's many that I probably won't get to, uh, and there's a lot of side, side events that took place that I won't be able to mention, but I would like to just look at the main, main events and the main days as we go down through this week. So first of all, it starts out with the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We call this Palm Sunday. The reason is because, uh, I guess, is because of the uh, crowds and the disciples cut palm branches or branches from the trees. I think it mentions palms in one place. Strewed them in the way, and um, where Jesus came into to Jerusalem that day, and he came riding a donkey. Uh, a colt. Uh, this this colt had never been ridden, and uh, Jesus had had uh, instructed his disciples how to 
to acquire this. He said, you go in and you'll find this colt, bring it to me. And uh, they did. And the owners uh, agreed to it. The, uh, there's a significance in this idea of him riding a, a donkey. Uh, it's a lowly beast. Uh, if we go to Zechariah 9, 9, and I don't have time to look up a lot of scriptures this morning, but they are all familiar. Uh, Zechariah 9, 9 tells how that Jesus would come, or how the king would come into the city on a donkey. Uh, and it mentions especially there a colt of a donkey. Well, what's the significance about that? Uh, kings uh, rode mules uh, or horses. Uh, we have in the Old Testament several instances where uh, David talks about the mule he rode. Absalom rode uh, a mule when he went under the tree and it caught his head in the tree and the mule left him. Um, when uh, Absalom killed his brother Amnon, all the king's sons had said got on their mules and rode away and fled. And so the kings and their sons rode mules or, or horses. But here Jesus came in on a donkey. And uh, it says in, in uh, Zechariah that it would be meek and lowly. He was not only uh, not only riding this donkey, but he was praised by the crowds. They were the crowd. The disciples began to laud Jesus as King, and uh, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the crowds gathered in. It says uh, a lot of people were there and uh, giving praise to to the Lord as he rode into the city. This was also the time when Jesus stood there and wept over Jerusalem and uh, he said I would have gathered you under my wings like a, a hen does her chicks but you would not he wept over the city and he went in to the temple and, and looked around uh, observed some things in the temple that was uh, that was Palm Sunday that was the first day and then it says he went out to Bethany to to, uh, for the night. Monday, he came into the city. That's the next day, first day of the week. He came into the city and, and uh, or no, that would be the second day. He came into the city and he, he was hungry. And he saw a fig tree and he, he went to this tree hoping to find something to eat and there was nothing there. And so he said, he cursed the tree. Uh, he said, uh, no one will ever eat fruit off of this tree ever again. And then he went in and cleansed the temple. This was the second day of the week. He went in and cleansed the temple, uh, casting out the, those that uh, bought and sold, uh, overturning the uh, tables of the money changers, chasing the cattle, the sheep, uh, those things out of the temple. <coughs> And uh, I think this is significant in the, for the fact that this week this happened. That he was, uh, that uh, this kind of worship was ended this week. No more need for cattle, no more need for sheep, uh, no more need for money exchange. 
Salvation came through Jesus and is free. Also, on this day, he taught the people in the temple, it says. The next uh, two days, he came back into the city. It said he would leave uh, at the, in the evening. He would leave and go out to somewhere else to, to stay overnight, he and his disciples. And the next day, he came into the city, and uh, the fig tree that he had cursed the day before was withered and died. And he used that as a lesson to his disciples to pray in faith. He said, you can do greater miracles than this. I think he mentions uh, uh, casting a mountain into the sea. He said, you can do greater miracles than this. And so he used it as an illustration. And I'm not sure what else is significant about that, but at least it's that. that he used it for, as an illustration of uh, prayer of faith. <clears throat> On these days, these two middle days of the week, his, his um, authority was challenged. The Pharisees came to him and said, who gave you the authority to do this? And I think they were referring there to the, his cleansing of the temple. And Jesus uh, said to them, uh, I'll ask you a question, and if you can answer mine, I'll answer yours. And so they, he posed a question to them, what they thought of, of uh, John the Baptist. And they were unable to answer because they feared the people on one hand, and if they answered the other way, Jesus would ask them, why didn't you believe him then? And so they were unable to, uh, to answer his question. <clears throat> it seems that uh, wherever, wherever Jesus was challenged in, uh, uh, in this, during this time, it seemed like he always uh, was above it. He always had a, a way of uh, turning the thing back around to those who questioned him. We'll come across a couple of those later. Also, we have the parable of the two sons, where Jesus said uh, a, man's, a man had a vineyard, and he told his son, you go work in my vineyard. And the first one said, I'll go, but he didn't. The second one, or no, the first one said, I won't go. But afterward, he repented and went. The second one said, I'll go, but he just didn't show up. And Jesus said to those around him, which one of them did the will of the Father? And they answered correctly. <clears throat> the next parable was that of uh, the wicked husbandman. This is where Jesus said a man had a vineyard, and he left it out to husbandmen and went to a far country. And later and he sent, sent uh, some of his servants so they could gather the the profit from this vineyard, it belonged to him. He was just rented out. And they were, they were together, the, the prophets, but the, the husbandmen beat some and turned the others away and refused to give the money. And, and Jesus said, I'll send them, I'll send my son. They'll respect him. But uh, they said, here's the heir. Uh, we'll kill him and then we'll have the inheritance. And uh, Jesus said that 
they would that this husband when then in finishing this parable he would destroy those wicked uh, husbandmen and uh, and give his vineyard to those who would be faithful I think of this uh, not only as two sons but three the first one said I won't go and then he finally repented and went the other one said I'll go but he didn't but uh, the third son was Jesus and he in the garden said not my will but thine be done it was it was he was willing to do the will of his father this was the occasion also when Jesus talked about the cornerstone of being rejected the when he told this story of the uh, the parable of the wicked husbandmen the, the Pharisees said oh that can't be they they just you know that re- it was re- they were repulsed by that but uh, Jesus said then what about the verse what about the where it says that uh, the stone, cornerstone is rejected then there was a parable of the marriage of the king's sons uh, all the excuses made by the invited guests and finally Jesus said that uh, the the master went out and told his servants go out on the byways and highways and compel him to come in there were several questions asked by the authorities the Pharisees questioned a tribute to Caesar about this time and the Sadducees questioned the resurrection and the lawyers ask about the two what is the greatest commandment Jesus when he gave answers to these questions always gave a a plus he gave the answer plus uh, something that clinched it when the Pharisees asked if they they should give tribute to Caesar he said give to Caesar Caesar what belongs to him and then he added but give to God the things that belong to him and when the Sadducees questioned the resurrection he told them you you err because you don't know the scriptures and then he quoted the Old Testament where uh, the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob appeared to Moses and uh, he said he is not a God of the dead he's a God of the living the lawyers the lawyers question about the great commandment, Jesus said, there's two. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then Jesus asked a question to the authorities. He said, how is Christ David's son? When uh, it says in the scripture, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. And they were unable to answer his question. Then we have Jesus' discourse against the scribes and Pharisees. This is all covered in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. He calls them, uh, he tells them exactly what they are and uh, gives warning to his disciples and to us 
about that kind of uh, living. We have the account of the widow's two mites during this week, where they, in the temple, they noticed uh, the rich uh, throwing their money into the into the uh, collection, and this widow bringing all she had. And Jesus said, she has given more than they all. <laughs> also, during these two middle days of the week, uh, these, there were certain Greeks who wanted to see Jesus. They came to one of the disciples and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. And uh, when they came to Jesus and told him this, then he took that opportunity to uh, open up the gospel to all people. And he said this, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And he, he uh, used that opportunity to indicate that the gospel was not only for Jewish people, but was for all people. <clears throat> we have also the unbelief of the Jews and their rejection of Jesus. It says uh, they, re they refused to believe him. And it's during this uh, discussion that Jesus quotes the, the uh, Isaiah, where Isaiah said he hath um, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. And Jesus used this this scripture on several different occasions, where he was talking to the Pharisees that uh, he would uh, that uh, this was this was their plight. They, they had eyes, but they couldn't see. They had ears, but they couldn't hear. They refused, and they rejected uh, their Messiah, Jesus. We have also the prophetic discourse of Jesus. This is quite lengthy in our Bibles and the Scriptures. Several of the um, Gospel writers uh, talk about this where Jesus talks about the destruction of Jerusalem and talks about end time events. One of the very important things Jesus says during this time is that uh, he said, take heed that no man deceive you. He said, pay attention. Um, uh, pay attention to the signs. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. And he, he, t he tells some of the details and how this, how this would be. And... Um, you know, we see much of that today, that um, there's deception, so much deception. And uh, we need to take heed uh, to what Jesus says, that we are not deceived, but that we uh, stay on, on course uh, when thinking of those end-time events. Be ready for the Lord to return. We also have here the parable of the ten virgins, and the... Uh, and uh, the parable of the talents. We have the uh, scenes of judgment. That is uh, where it says that he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And, uh, and they will be judged uh, how they treated Jesus. <clears throat> then we come into Thursday. Uh, and here again... Uh, as I said before, uh, not all of these days are exactly um, agreed on how they are, part, are uh, divided here, but uh, this is how it was in my um, 
Harmony of the Gospels book, and so that's what I'm using here. Uh, that's, again, probably not the most important thing, how the days were divided. We have the preparation for the Passover. Jesus, uh, the, the, um, I think the disciples mentioned to him, where, where will we eat the Passover? And Jesus told them that they would go into the city and they would meet a man and he would show them a large upper room and there he said, you make ready. So they prepared for the Passover. <clears throat> and then we have uh, the Passover meal where uh, Jesus ate this uh, meal with his disciples. It's called the Last Supper. Uh, we have paintings. It's a very famous painting called The Last Supper. Uh, did you ever wonder why it's called the last one? It's the only, it's the last Passover that was actually significant to the Jews, to the Jewish people. They didn't realize it and they don't realize it yet today. They still observe Passover. But it was the last supper. There was no other one needed. Jesus replaced that old Jewish system by his death on the cross. <clears throat> this is a time that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Teaching through that the, the idea of humility and servanthood. During this, at this time, Judas was exposed by Jesus. He, he said, one of you is going to betray me. And uh, as, he, as they were eating this Passover meal, um, he dipped, a, a, I guess it was a, would have been a piece of bread in, uh, in whatever they were eating and gave it to Judas, uh, exposing him as being the one who would betray him. And he said, whatever you do, do quickly. And they said, Jesus went out. And then the Lord's Supper was instituted. Um, we talked a little about this earlier. Did, did Judas, uh, was Judas included in communion when Jesus, according to this uh, harmony of the Gospels that I have, uh, he went out just before Jesus um, instituted the communion service. Um, and I know this is a, it's a bit of a, um, maybe it's a controversy, I don't know. But I don't want to make a whole lot of it here uh, this morning. Only to say this, that uh, those who advocate open communion uh, have this as a basis of their, of their uh, ideas. Uh, Jesus gave Judas communion, so we should, so anybody can have it. I think that uh, Judas went out just before Jesus uh, broke the bread and gave the cup. We have also, during this time, the denial of Peter and uh, the, the dispersion of the twelve was foretold. Jesus said, you're all going to leave. You're all going to, to, uh, to uh, you just, you, you're going to, leave and I'll be all by myself. Uh, 
And, and Peter was, he was adamant. He said, oh no, I won't. I won't deny you. He said, I'll go with you all the way to death. To prison and to death. And Jesus told him the very famous words, before the cock crow, you'll deny me three times. He, told, he foretold them that. <clears throat> During this time in the upper room, Jesus uh, gave the farewell discourse to his disciples. And this is covered in John 14, 15, and 16. Some of the things in this is the promise of mansions prepared in heaven. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He talks about the, the vine and the branches and how we are to abide in him. They were to abide in him. He promised the Holy Spirit several times during these, uh, in these three chapters. He forewarned them that they were be, would be persecuted. They would be, um, that the, the time was coming when they would, would have to suffer persecution. Also, during this time is Jesus' intercessory prayer. It's in John 17. These are all very familiar scriptures and uh, uh, things that you can uh, read for yourselves. Then we have the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. This was very late at night. The song said, it is midnight in the garden. That's probably when it was. Very, um, very end of that uh, Thursday when Jesus was in the garden and um, suffered the agony of sweating great drops of blood. Um, the agony of having his disciples sleep. And I had to uh, I had to think, no wonder the disciples were sleepy. All of the events of this time, and they hadn't had a time to rest. It was a long day, very long day. And uh, here it was midnight in the garden, and the disciples could no longer stay awake. Very early the next morning, which would be just past midnight, Jesus was betrayed and arrested. A crowd came. Judas at the at the front of the crowd. He knew Jesus' uh, places of dwelling and uh, how he where he thought where he likely would be, and so he came and betrayed Jesus to the authorities. Then we have Jesus' trial before the Jewish authorities. Uh, they took him then to Pilate. They had their ideas and um, passed their sentence. Then they took him to Pilate, and they tried. Uh, they tried to persuade Pilate. He he tried to release him because he um, he knew he was innocent. He was not. Uh, it was not the kind of a person that they portrayed him to be. And so then he sent him to Herod, and. Herod and his soldiers mocked him. Back to Pilate, he tried again to free him, but instead released to them Barabbas and sentenced Jesus to be crucified. We then have the suicide of Judas and the potter's field talked about, where uh, they used the money that... Uh, 
that Judas gave them back, he gave back the money that they had given him to betray Jesus and they used it to buy a field where they would uh, bury strangers. <coughs> the crucifixion is the next event. It was darkness, earthquake, veil of the temple was rent, uh, the centurion uh, witnessed that here on this cross hung the very Son of God. These are some of the events around that place. They also parted his garments and cast lot for that uh, robe. And Jesus uh, died that day on the cross. His body was taken from the cross by, uh, uh, I think it was Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, uh, two men who were secretly disciples of Jesus, took him down off the cross. They put him in, in Joseph's own tomb. Jo Joseph had just um, carved this tomb out of rock, this tomb out of rock, and no one had used it yet. And that's where they put Jesus. <coughs> The next day was a Jewish Sabbath. Luke 23:56, the very last verse of that of that chapter says this, and they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. This was the uh, the the ladies who had had intended to uh, anoint Jesus' body for burial. And um that's what they did. They they prepared the spices. They they rested the Sabbath day. It says, "What about the Pharisees?" Um, again, according to my harmony of the Gospels, this was the day that the Pharisees went to Pilate, and he said, "This deceiver said he would raise the third, uh, rise up the third day." So he said, "Just." Um, put a guard at the tomb so his disciples don't come and, and steal him away and say he is risen from the dead and the last error shall be worse than the first. This was the Pharisees that's, that uh, was so hard on Jesus for um, healing on the Sabbath day, uh, making a person whole on the Sabbath day. They were so hard on him and yet here they were so so uh, um, so wanting to protect their own interests that they went to Pilate and uh, begged him to put this guard at the tomb so that um, they wanted to make sure he stayed there. They had him. He was dead. They seen him in the tomb. They wanted it sealed so he would stay there. And then we have Luke 24, verses 1 to 3. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it tells how these women were perplexed they wondered, what, what does this mean? 
the body's not there. And then the angel came to them and said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. One week. The most important week of all history. My closing remarks, uh, I have a list of lessons from this week. And uh, I have, um, what did I, I have 11, but uh, the list can go on and on. Lessons from this week. Number one, the Jewish system of worship has ended. No more need for sheep and cattle. No more money changers. Salvation is free. The veil of the temple was rent. We have access right into the presence of a holy God. Jesus taught respect and worship. He said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. You have made it a den of thieves. He taught humility and servanthood. He rode in on a lowly uh, donkey's colt. He washed his disciples' feet. When they argued about who the greatest was, Jesus said, the greatest one is your servant. He taught them to pray in faith. The example was the fig tree. He taught us, them and us, to be ready for his return. Take heed that no man deceive you. Number five, he taught the two greatest commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind, and thy neighbors thyself. Number seven, he taught that giving must be with proper attitude. When he pointed out the widow who put in all she had. Number eight, we learn that the off, we learn the awful cost of our redemption. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, met with the Ephesian elders, he talked about the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The very blood of God himself purchased the church the awful cost of our, re our redemption. <clears throat> Number nine, the lesson, we see from fulfilled scripture how this week was a primary focus of God's plan of salvation. Many of the, uh, the gospel writers tell about it in these chapters how that this scripture was fulfilled or that scripture was fulfilled. They, they come back again and again to those things where the things that Jesus did and said during the Passion Week and how it fulfilled Scripture. Number 10, we are assured once again that we serve a Savior that is alive. And my last uh, lesson I've listed, and I would encourage you to just go through these chapters and list all of, of just add to this list. We are commanded to commemorate this event 
by partaking of the bread and cup in this communion service. <laughs> 